This is the day that the Lord has made. All right then, blessings to us all. May God's spirit touch us today in the way that we need so that when we leave today, we are enriched. body or spirit as we join in our call to worship, which is found in your order of worship. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Recall the witness of faith that has transcended the ages. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Christ has conquered death. We too, who through faith are one with Christ, die and rise anew with him. Thanks be to God. Let us remain standing in body or spirit as we join in our hymn of celebration number 711 for all of the saints, verses 1, 2, and 6. focus ourselves in God. There is a time for everything, for all things under the sun, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to laugh and a time to cry, a time to dance and a time to mourn, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to forget and a time to remember. On this sacred day, we remember those who gave us life, we remember those who enriched our lives with love and beauty, 
kindness and compassion, thoughtfulness and understanding. We renew our bonds with those who have gone the way of all of the earth. We reflect upon those whose memory moves us this day. We seek consolation and the strength and insight born of faith. Tender as a child with a, or a parent with a child, the Lord is merciful. God knows how we are fashioned and remembers that we are dust. But God's compassion for us, the Lord's righteousness to God's children, remain age after age unchanging and lifts up to God's eternal embrace. Amen. Most holy and loving God, you have drawn together your people into one communion and fellowship in this mystical body of your son. Grant us grace so as to follow your blessed saints in all virtuous and godly living, that we may come to those unspeakable joys which you have prepared for those who truly love you. We pray also this morning for our congregation, for our community and the world, for health and healing, for peace with justice, and for purpose, meaning, and a life of consequence. This we pray through Jesus Christ our Lord, as we now join in the prayer he taught his disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. because they're no longer here with us, our faith tells us that they've gone to a better place and that God has swept them up and taken them to heaven. And we hope that the joy of this song demonstrates that heaven is here on earth now, as, as Pastor Walt will say, that heaven begins now because we take our faith and we use that to inform our lives right now because we know we're going to that better place and we'll see our loved ones again there. Sweet. 
my friends, I'm coming to, coming for to carry me home. Sometimes I'm up, sometimes I'm down, coming for to carry me home. But still my soul is heavenly bound, coming for to carry me home. Swing, swing low, swing sweet chariot. Coming for to carry me home, swing low, swing low, swing sweet chariot. Coming for to carry me home, swing low, sweet chariot. Coming for to carry me home, swing low, swing low, sweet chariot. Coming for to carry me home, coming for to carry me and receive a, word, a reading from the Word of God. Create in us a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within us, according to your grace and mercy. May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scripture. Our reading is from Revelations chapter 7, verses 9 through 17. After this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, singing, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, robed in white, and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple and the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is God's word to God's people. Oh. 
sure how I'm going to uh, yeah <laughs> two different songs two different kind of spirits and settings but one strong strong affirmation of faith of the power of the living Lord in our lives I want you to know that I take great comfort in a sense that there is life after death and that death is a doorway from life to life, that there's some sort of thing that is heaven. But I've got to confess to you I'm too much a product of, of the enlightenment to say I really know how that works. And I think some of you share these feelings with me that it's kind of hard to imagine the physical reality of heaven. Don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm affirming that process for us all, but in our thinking, what do we do with heaven? Is it, is it up to that constellation and the third star on the left and then a sharp right for uh, five light years? and then we get to a place? I mean, is it like that? I find it hard to embrace that kind of old-fashioned hell in the earth, heaven above the clouds that our Hebrew ancestors embrace. We have a different cosmology now. We have a different sense of the cosmos. Yet there's something about it, isn't there, about heaven that draws us and we feel that it's true. We kind of know it's true. N.T. Wright likes to uh, think of it as a, as a different space-time dimension. And those of us who were reared on Star Trek and all that kind of stuff, we're kind of into space-time dimensions and we kind of can get that. Um, if you remember your Celtic theology, and maybe some of you do because of all the bagpiping that went on here, <laughs> you might have heard a, a word or two about Celtic thought. They talk about the thin places. Did Gary ever tell you about the thin places? The thin places are, are where you just can sense that there's just a veil. There's just a veil between you and the other that is, that other dimension, that other spiritual reality. We like to think that our churches are thin places, that regardless of what Rachel and I are doing, you come in here on a Thursday at 3, you walk in the door, and you have a sense, like you talked about with the Assisi Church, you have a sense that you're in the presence of God. I like to think that our worship services evoke that for you, and, and you, feel, you feel more like 
that spiritual reality is true. And it's around you, it's within you, it's there. It's, it's almost palpable to you. Thin places. We like to think that heaven is a more that comes out of our human experience when we are infused in that experience with the Spirit of God. Just like we like to think that though the world may seem crazy and that evil seems to abound, that there's too much hunger, that there's too much thirst, that there's too much oppression, that there's just too much, who cares? That there is a justice. That somehow this whole experience is anchored in a justice of God and that justice will prevail. And though we may get depressed about things, we think that's true, don't we? We feel that there is a more to the human interaction than the way we meet it out to one another. That there is a justice. That there is a love that overpowers evil. And that good will prevail. We have a sense of this, like it's in our gut. It's part of who we are as creatures because we are created in the image of the divine. And that divine image is well acquainted with justice and love and grace. So people are being slaughtered by the Romans and John is having a hard time with this of encouraging those people who are believing in Jesus the Christ because it seems like it's not going the way it ought to be going. And he writes this revelation to give hope, to give a sense of the more that is in store if we are only faithful and ride along with God, live into God's future. And many of us moderns have a hard time with Revelation because it's just so anthropomorphic. It's the heavens are filled with these big birds and angels and six-winged things and all that stuff going on. And where is that? And we go and don't get lost in that. Get lost in the vision of the wholeness that God has in store and intends. That's what John is trying to communicate. And he's using the best images of his day, find those for yours, for your day, that helps you to feel at peace with a God-ordained tomorrow in which all will be put to rights. I like the way that John says there's no hunger or thirsting because it strikes me that Though we have become so good, we can even grow things in plastic containers under the water or without land. And I mean, we can raise food all over the place. We're so good at it, aren't we? And how much of the world is starving? So that even in today, 
when we expect free meals on our plate, there are people who are hungering and thirsting. And John's got it right. Well, that will be heaven. That will be the consummation when we get past all of our violence and selfishness and hunger is no longer. Thirsting is no longer. War is no longer. And that will be the day when we will see Jesus on the throne of glory, John says, because thy kingdom has come on earth as it is in heaven. John holds this vision, this promise out to us, to a persecuted people needing relief from oppression, to a people who are finding relief in the promise of their faith. And are we not just the same? Though we may not be hungering and thirsting the way John's people were, we may not be under the kind of oppression that John's peoples were, I think we too know the rocky road, the bruised knee, the hurt soul. We too search our scriptures for a glimpse of the more, the promise of the hope to hold on to, to get us to God's future for us. As we deal with the struggles of life and the challenges of our grief, we are comforted by the thoughts of heaven, the experience of salvation, the, the promise of a new creation. We leave cemeteries grieving our hearts out with deep, deep sadness Yet still, we are comforted by holding tight to that, that heavenly promise. We suffer injustices, yet we pray with a confidence that God's will will be done. We serve and we sometimes are are even sacrificial because we are empowered by the hope of this coming reality of God's. You probably know the backstory to Swing Low Sweet Chariot. I don't know if you know, and I think I'm remembering correctly, that the anthem was written by a person that lost his wife and children in the sinking of the Lusitania, I think it was. What a deep heartbreak that must be. When my parents died, I was distraught. Debbie can tell you how depressed I kind of felt and, and how important her love, the love of family was for me with that. With the death of my sister, it was even harder because she was closer in age to me. I can't imagine 
I can't imagine the ache of the heart with the death of, of your spouse or of your child. And I know we have among us people who are walking with that ache and, and finding your nurture, their family of faith, important, and finding just the presence of the living God important to continue on. And we see that in their eyes and in their behaviors, and we know that there is a power of the Spirit, and we know that there is a more to which we're headed. And I would say it this way, and I hope you take these two phrases home with you today. In the living of today, in the light of tomorrow, our todays take on a new quality. Our todays take on a, a luminescence of the future, reflecting the glory, living into the hope that comes from the future today. Hope and promise through our faith of tomorrow shapes and alters how we manage our today. Our faith is, is more than the good by and by and hoping that we will get to that place. It is now. The kingdom of God is upon you, Jesus said. It is now. Salvation isn't just simply about heaven. Yes, it is, but it's not simply about heaven. And once we die, there is a sense that heaven is now. Begins here. Where we are caught up and the joys and the sorrows of our day. John Wesley used to write about that. He, he would write about the importance of the afterlife, but then he also wrote about how important the present life was, empowered by the afterlife, by life eternal, by salvation. That it wasn't all aimed at going from here and getting there, but the aim of our faith was having there be here. Somehow living into the kingdom now, not later on. Somehow conquering the hunger and the thirst and the sorrow and the injustice now is what Jesus was after so that it would blossom into the fullness of the kingdom of God then. All shall be well 
and all shall be well. All manner of things will be well. So these are the words of Julian of Norwich. She was a 14th century Christian mystic. I like to say that I love the mystics because I'm just such a kind of conceptual heady guy that I need a kick in the butt every once in a while to get over to the other side of the brain, other side of the spirit, open up to the greater and grander mysteries of our faith that are beyond our conception. The mystics do that for me. Sometimes they sound a little crazy. More often, though, they sound like they have the bead on something that we better notice ourselves, that we would be good to notice ourselves. So she's a 30-year-old, and she's deathly ill. She's deathly ill. She's dying at 30 and suffering greatly in the process of that, yet has a series of visions of Jesus. Ends up living, ends up writing about it. She becomes one of those uh, people that just falls in love with Jesus and lives her life in that relationship writes down things. She had this vision of Jesus in the, in the glow, reaching down towards her, embracing her in the glow and saying, all will be well. So this is when she's dying and she's having the Lord come to her with, have you had those experiences? You know, sometimes I think we, we tend to think that only the good things are blessings. Well, that's easiest for us to do, right? When when somebody gave us a car, I thought, oh, boy, what a blessing this is. How great that is, right? You know, child being born, diplomas, things like that. Uh, easy to see the blessing in that is what I'm meaning to say. Easy to see the blessing in that. We tend to not search sorrow or suffering that other part of our life that is so present, we tend not to search that for blessing. Yet Julian is saying, there is blessing in that. Stay attuned, pay attention. God is even in your sorrow. God is even on the cross. Redemption is possible, blessing may be found. She found some blessing in that. I remember when I had that experience, I told you about it when I was bleeding. I was thinking bleeding to death in myself. My doctor friends say, you are far from death. Get over it. But for me, for me, it was like, oh, Lord, what is this? And I came out of that experience uh, seeing life all differently. And I think that was because I had a sense of the of the blessing of life, of being alive, of, of feeling like I came back from the tomb. Many of you have that experience as well, of where things just become fresh and lovable and endearing. And nothing is a fuss if there's any possibility of goodwill and grace involved. 
she found even in her sense of dying that she was loved by God. And that nothing, as Paul says in Romans, could separate her from the love of God. So I bring to you the thought today as we think of our loved ones, we think of our grief, we think of the challenges of life, that there is a balm in Gilead for us all in the living Lord, and that there is a promise of hope brought forth to us by that Lord for the more of what life can be over the threshold of death. Amen. As people who hope for the more, we commit to live as God's saints in the here and now so that God's kingdom can be made, be made seen on earth as it is in heaven. Our ushers will wait upon us as we present our tithes, gifts, and offerings to God.
Almighty God, we thank you for the saints that have gone before us, who have touched our lives and inspired us to live lives that bring honor to you. Accept these gifts that we present before you as tokens of our gratitude for the life that you have bestowed to each and every one of us. And allow these gifts, along with our very lives, be used to make your kingdom made manifest here on earth. Amen. Amen. Let us remain standing as we join in our closing hymn number 708. Let's uh, turn to one another, grab hands and connect. And remember when worship is over, if, if you were one of the folk that uh, mentioned a person, you're welcome to grab a flower or two and, and take them with you as a... We've got plenty, so enjoy yourself and spread it around. So receive the benediction and then the blessing from our choir as we leave. Holy God, we... We recognize the fact that we stand on the shoulders of many who have gone before us. Help us to be your kind of disciples, that others will come after us standing on ours. Let us be lifted up by your spirit today to shine your light out into the darkness of the world. Amen. Amen.